We were supposed to go to Hillsong last week, but we, our plans changed rather at the last minute, and we didn't get there. I would um, stand behind here, but I'm afraid I would be tempted to do the Bill Murray, Ahoy! Ahoy! We wanted to be here uh, Friday night, Allison and I did, uh, very much for the VBS celebration, but uh, our plane out of Sydney this past week um, was delayed because it was foggy evidently that morning. We didn't, it wasn't where we were, just a few miles, not far from the airport, but all the planes went to Melbourne, and a lady from United told us they were landing in fields and everything. They just didn't have enough room. I never saw that on the news, but that was interesting anyway, and we got delayed. But we had a wonderful time in Australia. You know, Australia is the one place that everybody wants to visit that that you've never been to, right? I bet you've said that before. It's the one place I've never visited that I wanted to go to. Interestingly enough, on the the flight from Los Angeles to to Washington, coming home, uh, I had a USA Today, and they said that this year, for only the second time in the last 13 or 14 years, people want to go to Italy. But every other year it's been Australia. That's the one place they've never been. We all say that. Allison said she's heard it so many times. She would be rich if she had a dollar for every time she heard it. And I said, I know. That's what it's like living in Fuqua Varina. People say that <laughs> all the time. It's the one place I want to go, Fuqua Varina. Well, I'm almost certain that I would have never, never made it uh, down under if it weren't for the lovely lady from Oz that I married recently. The, the trip to Australia was everything you could possibly imagine. One day we had kangaroos and rosellas, these beautiful, spectacularly beautiful tropical birds eating lunch with us. Um, And it's not as romantic as it sounds. The birds were landing on our shoulders, on our heads, clawing and pecking at the food. We were constantly pushing them away with umbrellas, but the kangaroos were sitting over there wanting to share lunch. We weren't allowed to, much like you can't share with the bears, you know, wherever you go out west. Don't feed the bears. Don't feed the kangaroos. Whales spouted water and and breached in front of us, you know, where they come out of the water and flip over on their back and, and, and... Kookaburras and other assorted birds woke us up with their laughs and their beautiful calls in the mornings. It was a spectacular trip, and I kept thinking continually, wouldn't, with, with the plant life and the wildlife, wouldn't John Bartlett and Tim Metz love it here? But all of you would have loved being down under in Australia. But it, it wasn't the gorgeous scenery nor the exciting new experiences that fascinated me the most. It was, it was as it always is when I travel abroad, the people that I want to get to know that bring me the most excitement. There are, as you would expect, a whole lot of similarities between Aussies and, and Yanks, but there are some striking differences as well. If I heard it once, I heard it ten times about tall poppy syndrome. Have you ever heard of tall? Anybody know what tall poppy syndrome is? It's like if, if, if the poppies are growing in a field and one gets too tall, you cut it down. Well, that's sort of the, the mentality in Australia is that if someone becomes successful and 
politics or in business, everybody else feels it's their responsibility. They, all the others feel it's their responsibility to take them down, just to cut them down to size. Think about how different that is in America. We applaud success. Our philosophy in America is the exact opposite. We're hero worshipers. So when someone is successful, we tend to elevate them to a status far higher than they deserve. Look at that person. That's who I want to be like. In Australia, they're cutting them down to size here. We're elevating people. Uh, Many of the people that I met in Australia, as you would imagine, are Christ followers. Allison knows half of the people in Australia, and we met every single one of them. Now, actually, we didn't meet them all. We didn't get to meet all the people that she knew, and we were constant. That's all we were doing, meeting people. Now, we saw some beautiful places, went to some great places, but we were constantly meeting people. They were inspecting me, you know, to make sure that I was good enough to marry the gal from Sydney. I would say, it's too late, buddy. Right there it is. Right there. I'm no fool. I had that taken care of before I came over. It was uh, too late for him to do anything. And that's not really true. I was welcomed with open arms everywhere we went. And since people knew that I was a pastor, the, the question that always came up, what denomination is your church with? What denomination... Didn't ask the name of the church. They didn't ask the style of the church. They didn't ask about you. They didn't ask about anything except what denomination is your church with? You know, it's not that there are no non-affiliated churches in Australia, but they are extremely rare. It's extremely rare I would suspect anywhere outside of America to find a great number of non-affiliated churches. I felt obliged over and over to state the fact that, look, we hold ourselves accountable. Our elders are accountable to one another. The congregation holds the elders accountable to preach pure doctrine. We we constantly associate with other like-minded churches through conferences and just personal relationships. We do our best to hold ourselves accountable, but we are an independent church. And we are independently minded in this country, aren't we? When I cut my spiritual teeth and ministry teeth, especially back in the the 70s and the early 80s, the thing that you heard about all the time was, it's, look, it doesn't matter about the group. It's, it's what your relationship with Jesus Christ is. That's what is, is important. It's your personal relationship with Christ. And, and there's a lot of truth in that. It doesn't matter what church you affiliate with, how, you, how, how much you're associated with other Christians. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's true. But there is so much more about community in Scripture than most of the time, Americans, especially two, three decades ago, which it's changing some now, but it's still difficult for us because of who we are. We just we continue to stay independently minded. I, I left that sentence somewhere a long while ago, and so I never got it finished, but that's pretty typical, I suppose. You know, I, this is the other thing. I told Allison I was surprised, and surely she won't mind me saying this, but you know what I heard over and over and over in Australia was talking about the way it was begun. You know, it was criminal criminals that populated the country. 
and then I thought about how our country got started. It was rebellion. It was, we're not going to take that anymore. We're not listening to that. We're going to be who we are. God has given us this right to freedom and the pursuit of happiness. All these liberties. And how much that affects us to this very day. It was interesting hearing Linda or Dennis, I think it was Linda, talking about the the communist past and how much that impacts the people in their relationship with Christ and their relationship with one another. So here we are in this country very independently minded. The gospel cries out for unity. Our tendency in America is to think, my idea is as good as your idea about anything. Not just church, but especially in church, but but about anything. My idea is as good as your idea. And if we don't see eye to eye, well, then we'll just part ways. That's okay. We're independently minded. That's who we are. But the gospel cries out for unity that, that, that transcends the differences, as Sean said a few weeks ago, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. In other words, some church issues are very important and some are not so important. But once again, as independently minded as we are, everything can be important in our minds. And that can cause conflict. Now, it's, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a product of, uh, 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 of years of this kind of thinking, and it's something we just have to be aware of and be careful about. It's not that we are unique. The, difference, the differences about which we're going to read this morning in Romans chapter 14 uh, indicate that, that conflict in the church has been around forever or, or ideas, different ideas creating the potential for conflict in the church has been around forever. Jewish and Gentile Christians had problems with one another at the church in Rome. We are nonetheless especially prone to the to allowing differences to divide us. Therefore, Romans 14 speaks loudly to us. And when I say us, I mean all churches in America. Well, the word that is going to be primary in our thinking this morning is deference. In fact, the challenge from our text is going to be for us to defer to one another, to not always have to be right because of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. You know, one of the things that Dennis and Linda didn't tell us about, and I, I, I said this several times in years gone by, but I haven't mentioned this in a long time. And, and I didn't even ask them about it this time because I know it's still the case. When I was there 10 years ago in, in Budapest with Dennis and Linda, I, I was not aware at that time until I got there, how large the missionary community is in Budapest. At the time, it was 
it, it was basically headquarters for all of Eastern Europe, but it was becoming even more so for, for Europe as a whole. And I don't know if that's the case, but there are missionaries everywhere in Budapest. I ran into one that I know uh, in, in, in Budapest while I was there. And one of the things that I observed was that Dennis and Linda have an important role in that community, helping people to get along. You know what you hear over and over and over again about missionaries? They came home after two years because they couldn't get along with the other missionaries. Why wouldn't Satan want to divide us? If he can, anywhere, the cause of the gospel is hurt. Paul says it very plainly in our text today. Let's read our text and think about our relationship with our brothers and sisters at Grace in the context of the gospel. Now look, I want you to know something. This just, this Romans 14 happened to be here today. This is what I'm preaching today. I promise you, every time I preach a message, the Lord is is preaching to me all week long. And in fact, I was tested on this stuff over and over this week. And that commonly happens too. And, and, and I didn't always respond as I should this week in deferring to other people, not just people in the church. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about deferring, you know, to the people in line and, 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 and everything else. So, well, we'll talk about all of that. I, I have no doubt the Holy Spirit will apply these verses to our individual lives for the glory of God, for the good of the church, and for the advance of the gospel. So, would you please stand, and we're going to read all of Romans chapter 14. And then we're going to talk about some principles for community life, for gospel life that's in, that is in this text. And um, we're not going to spend a lot of time, so just ask the Holy Spirit to cause these verses to burn deep into your heart as we read. And, and it's the word that's going to change us anyway. Convict us and change us. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor to the Lord, in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. Where the, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. 
So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything that is indeed clean, but is wrong for anyone to make But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because this eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith sin. Well, Lord, um, we um, bow before you. We bow before your word. We pray that you would cause us to bow with open hearts and that we would gain the truth that you have for us from this text today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated. Hey, by the way, uh, Dennis and Linda are here for just a short time. And if I hadn't been away for so long, we would have probably asked them to take a lot longer portion of the of the service. But we're going to be eating Italian in Fuquay Verena after lunch. If you would like to come, Dennis is buying. You know how those missionaries are. Uh, he's um, raking it in, especially these days when the money is flowing in America. It flows to Hungary, doesn't it? It comes in hard and fast. Well, there are several principles that we should derive. You know, I know that when you were reading that, you, to some degree, some of you were saying, huh? You know, what's he talking about? I have a little bit of an idea. Well, hopefully you'll pick up some truth from the principles that we talk. But rather than just taking the time to explain it, this this series is really not taking a very close look at the book of Romans. A lot of churches take two, three, four years to do that. This series is about the gospel. And, how, and, and, and Romans is maybe just the, 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 the place where the gospel is explained as fully as it is anywhere else in Scripture. And so we've used it as the basis for this. 
But, but as we go through and you get these principles, gain these principles, try to see how the truth of this passage speaks to us. The first principle of life in the gospel, gospel community is that we must. Not that we should, but we must accept differences of all kinds under the umbrella of the gospel. The issue at the Roman church was the different opinions between Jewish and Gentile believers about what foods were acceptable. Jewish believers wanted to hold to the dietary restrictions of the Old Testament. And Gentiles believers, believers just wanted them to get over it and enjoy Eastern North Carolina barbecue. Come on. It's okay. Pork is okay. Don't you remember about Peter's vision? You heard about that, right? There is nothing unclean. God has made all of this okay. Paul would have agreed with the Gentiles, even though he was Jewish. And thus, he presented the Gentile believers as strong in faith, while the Jewish believers were weak in faith. Now, it's important to note that Paul considered them weak in faith, not weak in will or character. And guess what they were doing? They were trying to overcome their past, just like we've been talking about in the introduction. We've all got something in our past that hinders us in our full embracing and acceptance of the gospel. Jewish believers had been freed from the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. But they may have been keeping those laws just to be sure. It's really difficult to know where that line is in our minds of, of grace and works and pleasing the Lord and following His Word and following the law of God when it becomes works as opposed to being done out of a heart to please the Lord because of the grace in, in our lives that He's given to us. Later in this text, we're, we're all going to also... There's the issue of special days, which very likely was referring to the keeping of the Sabbath or, or the special holy days that the Jewish believers wanted to keep from, again, Old Testament commands. At any rate, Gentiles looked down on the Jews for their preferences, and Jews were concerned about the Gentile salvation. And Paul said, stop it! Quit judging one another! Because of your differences. Paul wrote, in fact, that we are to welcome those who are different than us and live out their lives. They believe the gospel, but they live out their faith in a different way than we do. Do we have these specific dietary restrictions and, and conflicts in our church? No. You like filet mignon, I like ribeye, but we both like steak. We, we, we're not concerned over that. But there are numbers of issues where we can divide very quickly. Some believers drink wine, others don't. Some think it's sinful to amass too much wealth. Others see this is a great resource for spreading the gospel. Some watch movies that others would find offensive. Some think different think ministries of the church ought to be conducted one way, while others have a totally different philosophy of how a particular ministry or, or the division of the church should be. And Paul was saying about all of these issues in using this, this example of food, he was saying, get over those kinds of things. The primary responsibility that you have 
beyond loving God is to love your neighbor as yourself and especially your brother and sister in Christ. Love one another. As Paul talked, uh, Sean talked about last week and talked about and talked. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate you preaching a sermon like it ought to be preached. Three hours and ten minutes, I think is what I heard. Well, listen to what John Stott says about this principle with regard to church life. Quote, Paul is saying then that we must receive the weak person with a warm and genuine welcome without debate over his misgivings or scruples or not for the purpose of getting into quarrels about opinions. In other words, we're not to turn the church into a debating chamber whose chief characteristic is argument, still less into a law court in which weak persons are put in the dock, interrogated and arraigned. The welcome we give them must include respect for their opinions. And that's hard for us Americans, isn't it? For we Americans. It's just hard. Because my opinion is always the best opinion. Allison is learning that day by day. No, I'm just, just, just kidding. Well, <laughs> the second principle of body life in Romans 14 is to be careful not to presume to discern in another that which only God can know about him or her. That's a big one, isn't it? Don't presume to know about another only that which God can know. We don't like it when others judge us, judge us, but the sting of being judged, and I am so guilty, guilty as charged, the sting of being judged never seems to deter us from judging others. We presume to know about others only that which God can know. The problem with being so quick to judge or even condemn a brother or sister in Christ is that we put ourselves in a position of thinking that we have more discernment than God. It's essentially what Paul is saying here. We think we know more about this person than than God, and I've been so convicted on this point this week. None of us are really very good at saying, look, he answers, she answers to the Lord, not, not to me. I mean, we say that, but, but often the unspoken words that, that, that follow in our mind, if not coming from our lips, is, Lord knows I've done everything I can. It's up to him now. I'm just going to leave him in the Lord's hands. But we've already been told in verse 3 that God welcomes the persons, person that we reject over preferences. And now verse 4 goes on to say that we're not to judge the one who answers to the Lord. Please remember that all of us, that all of this, I mean, is within the confines of the church. We're talking about those who believe that Jesus died for their sins so that they could be forgiven of the sins. We're not talking about major doctrinal differences, but preferences in areas where the Scripture does not speak clearly 
one way or another. You see, all of us have a worldview of some sort. We view the world through a particular set of lenses. Now, I think almost everybody in here would put your biblical lenses on, but there are all kinds of different strengths of biblical lenses, you know. And I mean, we, we, we look at life differently. My glasses are actually pretty weak. My left eye, is, I'm legally blind in my left eye. I can see peripheral, peripheral stuff, so that's why i am always got my eye on Jim McLaughlin over here, making sure that everything's in order so I can call the ushers quickly, you know. But I, 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 they're pretty weak because there's, there's no hope for this eye, really. Then, I, you know, I take something like Allison's glasses and I say, whoa, whoa, that's your eye's you know, need a lot more strength. But we, we take, but I don't say, that's stupid to have glasses like that. Why don't you have glasses like mine? Um, and, and we take our particular set of lenses that were crafted just for us, and we think that everybody else ought to see just as we see. Everybody else ought to have a pair of glasses just like mine. And if you don't see the world exactly as I do, something is wrong with you. Well, I think I know where I am here. The third principle from this passage is that the church is to embrace differences in the lives of those who seek to honor Jesus. Very much like the first principle, but the point is our, 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 our differences are are most often not a matter of right or wrong, although we tend to see them as right or wrong. We all seek to please the Lord and to honor Jesus. Our lives don't really belong to us. We live to the Lord, we die to the Lord. And when Paul states that we all (coughs) honor the Lord regardless of our preferences, he's making the challenge that has been already and will again be issued emphatically. Embrace differences within the body. If you've been in the Grace Connection class, you went over that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where the, the body of Christ is supposed to function as a unit. We've, all, we, we, we've got different parts because we were designed that way. And, and some people... Some, none, no parts of your body look down on the other parts and say, you know, leg, if you were only a, a hand or a finger, you'd be something. Nor, do we, nor do we, does a part of the body say, well, I'm just an old knee. I mean, I wish I were a fist, but I'm just a knee, you know. And, and so it's, it's not like that. God made us different for a reason. And this challenge is to embrace these differences within the body. So we need to be careful about highlighting our differences with others while indicating that that we are more spiritual than they. Think about the differences that you have with others in the body of Christ. And Dennis talked about the fact that this, Lord, we thank you that this body is... Well, this actually may have been in the prayer before the service. We were talking about we are all the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is universal. 
And so we find the struggles there. We find them in the local church, in the local body of Christ. Think about the differences you have with others, whether they be here or in another church, other places, people that you have to work with, Christians that you have to work with closely. Do the things about which you differ really rise to the level level of major doctrinal differences? Do you assume that the personal preference differences that you have with others in the body of Christ indicates a spiritual deficiency in those people? Are you willing to risk that you're right about that? Better give attention to these last two principles the fourth principle in this passage is each one of us will give a personal account to the Lord. And the tendency can be, I'm by no means am I saying this is the trouble with you or with your neighbor, the one that's sitting next to you, but the tendency can be for all of us to spend so much time thinking about how God's going to judge other people that we're not thinking about how He's going to judge us. And I don't think there's any coincidence. We, we rip verse 12. We must all give an account to the Lord. We, in verse 10, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. We rip these verses out of context all the time and say, we're going to be judged, we're going to be judged. But think about where they're placed. Very likely, he's saying, we're going to be judged on the way that we judged others. That's what we're going to have to give an account for. The way we looked at other people and said, you just don't add up spiritually. You got a problem. It is a way of saying, and it's, it's not me saying this. This is God saying this. You need to be concerned about your own business and not worry so much about your brother's business, your sister's business. You, got, you and I have something to talk about. Now, let's, you worry about you and let me worry about him or her. Well, the last principle in this passage is that we should think more of our brothers and sisters in Christ than we think of ourselves. Now, there's a shocker. That's one of the things that they said in Australia all the time. It's shocking. You know, lots of things that I I really never heard Allison say that now that she's been there for three weeks, been home for three weeks, I hear a lot more. I hear, in fact, I'd never heard her say, that's shocking. She looked at my toothbrush last night and she said, it's shocking, you know, because it's, it's all this way and all that way. So this is not a shocking principle. I mean, we've all heard this principle before. We need to think more of others than we think of ourselves. In other words, give deference to others. Don't flaunt your liberty in Christ before those who don't have the same sense of liberty that you have. Don't live in a way that is offensive to some in the gospel community. The gospel depends on it. Is that too strong? Well, God is sovereign and he's going to take care of it, but we're not to look at it that way. He says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. 
Do not, for the sake of your differences, destroy the work of God. You know why? We'll be held accountable. Well, that's a motivation. That's not why. But that is a motivation to us. Please spend some time meditating on this passage with relation to the body of Christ. The way that God has called us all to love our brothers and sisters. We're we're called to love each other at a level that makes it okay for others to be different, to live different, to see things differently than we do. You know, our tendency to look down on others or to judge others doesn't begin or end at church. I mean, we, we just don't, it's just not in our nature to defer to others. So, instead of making sure this week that you get what's coming to you, here's the challenge. Defer, defer to others in all walks of life. Let's just work on it this week. Let's ask the Lord to help us to defer to others. Don't rush to get in to the front of the line. Don't take that cart and go just a little bit faster so you can maneuver right in that lane just in front of the person that's got twice as much as you do. Ask the Lord to help you not to be frustrated when the person driving in front of you doesn't meet your standards for the road. Okay, quit preaching, going to meddling. I know. know. When someone at work has a different idea than you do, think long and hard before you reject it out of hand. Now, this is not straight from Scripture. This is me saying, here are some ways we can work on this. It it may be that your ideas are, are far more often right than wrong, and that they're far better than others. But it's not a bad thing every once in a while just to be quiet. That has come, that's been very hard for me over the years. I'm, I'm not a person who likes to be quiet. I like to say, well, I think, and frankly, I just need to be more quiet. So maybe I'm, you know, saying, here's how I'm going to work on this. Maybe you could think, but the Holy Spirit has already been working in your heart, I know, to show you ways that you can defer to others. And if that's your tendency, you do that anyway, quit being so proud about it. Look, this community that the Lord has called us into is a beautiful, beautiful community. But it gets ugly when we all have to have our own way. That's true in every church. That's true in a missionary community. That's true anywhere in the body of Christ. And the Lord has spoken very directly to me. And it would have been true at any point in my life. Romans 14 just speaks that way. Because I love for us all to get along on my terms. (laughs) You know, let's do it. 
let's do it my way. It's one of the reasons we have such difficulty working with other churches, especially charismatic churches. If we were to try to do something with the church, it's like, look, can't we just all get along? Well, okay, let's do that. Okay, then let's do it this way. You know, it's just tough. It's tough for us in the body of Christ. But we're called to it at a very high level. And the gospel, the gospel is at stake. When people see us loving one another, they're attracted. When they see us not loving one another, especially if it's public, it's ugly. It, they are disgusted. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is at stake in the way that we treat one another. Well, we're going to gather at this table this morning where we remember Jesus Christ warning to avoid the Father's plan and yet willingly subjecting himself to die so that we might have life. It's the phrase that kept coming to me this week. Die to yourself daily. I die every day, Paul said. In fact, if we're going to live out Romans 14, it's going to be more than every day. It's going to be several times a day. Dying to ourselves. Well, our example is at this table, but 1 Corinthians 10 says that in coming here, we participate in the body and the blood of Christ. It's a very special time for us. And Bert Wallace, chairman of our elders, is going to come and lead us in this time. So let's pray. And Bert and the elders will come to prepare for the table.